Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Here I am. If we will hear the trumpet, I so believe it. And it is exciting. But we've got work to do. We've got serious work to do. Amen? So let's get to work. Okay. Revelations 2, 1 to 7. Turn there. If you love Jason. Great three of us. Sorry, Jace. I went for the, I went for the, oh, it's Nick today. <laughs> uh, Revelations 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the uh, Nickelodeon, it? Nick, uh, Nickelodeons. <laughs> I can't stand them either, right? No. <laughs> Which I also hate. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God. It's a really interesting passage of scripture. And if I can just briefly give you an overview of the church of Ephesus at the time, the church of Ephesus had steadfastly refused to tolerate sin amongst its members. Now, the city was noted for its immoral sexual practices and worshipping the um, different, there's a goddess, they were worshipping at the time. And Ephesus had become a very large, proud church for Jesus. And Jesus' message came to remind them that he alone was the head of the believers. He alone. And he comes and he addresses the church and he says, Hey, although you've labored faithfully, you've shown discernment, you've patiently persevered, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Jesus didn't say lost said left and there's a big difference left to forsake or depart from now we know that the enemy has only three job descriptions for our life kill steal destroy and so if anything his description uh, his job description for you and I is to deter us from obtaining that first love and keeping that first love vibrant Somewhere along the line, the church of Ephesus, they'd replaced this authentic love and passion for Jesus. And it had become ritualistic. There were obligations and expectations that they were just, you know, operating out of. And they'd put the service for God ahead of the love and devotion and fellowship for him. 
as you read through, you see that all the first generation leaders and pastors of Ephesus had kind of died off, and the second generation were rising through, and they were doing all the works for God, but they failed to go back to that first love place, that first love passion of why they were doing what they were doing. Labor is not a substitute for love. Labor should be the result of love. Labor should be the result of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the act followed the love. In church life, anything that we do and we commit to has to come out of a love for God first. To truly love others and act accordingly, we've got to develop first that love element. Jesus commended the church of Ephesus for working hard, patiently enduring, not tolerating evil people, suffering without quitting. And every church should have these characteristics, pressing forward, going through. But the good efforts should spring from a love of Jesus, for Jesus Christ first and foremost. Otherwise, we will not be able to, to, to sustain the works. Amen. And again, this morning, I felt that God say to us as a church, let's go back to the first love. Remember, therefore, where that passion and that zeal was first birthed into your spirit. Some of us have still got it. Some of us, it's dampened off a little bit. Some, there's embers burning underneath all the ash. Both Jesus and John stressed love for one another as an authentic proof of the good news. Listen in John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. I love how he says, love one another as I have loved you. Hey, love one another. He says it twice. It's not so easy to love somebody else when they're driving you nuts. When you have differences of opinion. When you just walk away going, oh, the Lord bless you. Come on. Am I, not, am I the only one in here this morning that has relationships like that? Listen to this one. 1 John 3, verse 18 and 19. Dear children, let not, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our action. So love is one thing, but action is a whole nother level, people. Praise God that God didn't just say, I love them all, and didn't follow through with any action plan to redeem us to him. Hello? There was a massive action plan that followed giving himself and his son to die on a cross so that you and I do not need to live in shame and condemnation and guilt and sin that we can live daily with a mercy that's anew on us and say, thank you, Lord, it's a new day. Thank you that my sin has been washed away. Thank you, God, that I am free this today. Amen? Verse 19, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we'll be confident when we stand before God. Wow, our actions will show that we belong to the truth. What's the truth? This is the truth. And what does the Bible say that the truth will set us free? 
him who the Son sets free. Let him be free indeed. And yet sometimes we see so many people and Christians walking around condemned and, and shamed and, and bound. And the enemy's rubbing his little fingers going, yes. And I'm here to remind us again today that first love has come to set you free and to make you free indeed and to cleanse you from every sin and unrighteousness that we would be as white as snow again. Yes, Jesus deserves a hand clap for that. And I love that Jesus didn't leave the church of Ephesus hanging, but rather he showed them how to move forward. When he said this, remember therefore from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works. Jesus always gives us an out. He doesn't just leave us hanging. He was trying to get them to remember where they had possessed that fire, that passion, that zeal for Christ, the very thing that inspired them to do the will of God in the first place. If you are on roster in this place this morning, can I, remember, can I remind you, remind yourself why you put your name on that roster. It wasn't just to fulfill a roster. It's because you love Jesus Christ first, amen? And you're here to build his church. Let me remind you all today that salvation is not the destination of any one of us in here this morning, but yet the be rather the beginning. Salvation is just the beginning. When I sign up for a gym membership, how many of you know that's not the end of my fitness journey? It's only the beginning. There's a whole lot of work that needs to be done after that signature gets put down on that paper. And salvation, friend, for you and I is the beginning of an incredible walk and life and journey with the one who gave his life for us. Our salvation is just the beginning. To cultivate relationships with others, we've got to first remember our first love. Hebrews 10 verse 32 says, Think back on those early days when you first learnt about Christ. Come on, how, can, how many of you can remember those first days of, of, of just saying yes to Jesus? And being in that place, whether it was in a church scenario, whether it was at home, whether it was with a friend, and, and that, that excitement. Fulfillment, that the peace, the, the wow, what is this? This is awesome. I want more. You'd pray for a car park and there it was. You'd be like, this is awesome. You were bulletproof. You'd walk around with your chest out going, bring it on, devil. Come on. Am I just the only one in this place yet again? And then verse 35 of Hebrews 10 says, so do not throw away. This confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Oh, love it. Can I ask you a question? Do you possess the same passion and zeal for Christ as when you first said yes to him? I want you to challenge yourself today, Christian brother and sister, because I challenged myself. I thought, man, I need to ramp it up. We've got to remember our first love. Number two, look inward, not upward. 
God does not reside in a distant, far-off place, but within us. Again, this is such a simple message, but I felt God say to me, remind us as a body again of the simplicity of the gospel. It is not a big doctrinal thing that we've got to try and get our head around. Church, Christ came gave his life for you and I to set us free. It is the good news that's going to set others free and we don't need to try and rationalize it or try and work it out. We just need to receive it this morning. Receive it and believe it. Receive and believe. I'm getting shirts. Right. Remember your first love resides within you. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. For it is no longer I that lives, but he that lives in me. You've got a whole person living inside of you right now. How cool is that? But he's not just a person. He's part of the Godhead. And he conquered death. And it says the same power that resides with him resides in us. And so we ought to be a whole lot more fired up and powerful if he's living within us. Here Paul says, Christ lives in me, reminding us all that Christ lives in his believers. He is not beside us. He is not above us. He is not below us. He is in us. And when we first say yes to Jesus, he comes and resides in our spirit. But he doesn't take over our soul. I want you to catch this this morning, our soul, our emotions, our feeling, our understanding. The soul is a whole other level that Jesus wants to reside in, but that is our will, that we allow him to do so. And as a body, we need to function and help and encourage each other to get into the word and pray because the soul element of our physical being can really sometimes be very strong. And we're reminded in Scripture that we're not at war with with flesh and blood, but with the spiritual things going on. And so if Jesus is in our spirit, our soul elements, God, I let you go. Even though you don't feel like coming to church, you're going to rise and come to church because you know that rubbing shoulders with your brother and sister in Christ is going to bless you and help you for the week. Hear me this morning. Look inward, not upward. Let me encourage you next time you pray, instead of looking up, instead of closing your eyes and looking down, thinking that God is is far off, ready to answer your prayer, I want you to pray this, Father, I thank you that you're not far off. In fact, you're with me right now. You're with me, you're near me, you're in me. And you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. I guarantee you that will change your prayer life this morning. So we've understood that loving God is so important and keeping that first love, that first love passion and vibrant. In a marriage relationship, if that first love is not kept passionate and vibrant within that marriage relationship, 50 years will not be the result. 60 years won't be the result. And so as a couple, 
develop their relationship and they go through the ebbs and flows of the relationship with children and financial pressure and and homes and mortgages and and work stress and situations, they realize that although there's still the attraction and and the love element there, it's going to take a bit of work. It's going to come at at, at meeting each other at medium grounds. It's going to take some give. It's going to take some take. You're hearing me this morning. And so to do that, my third point is number three, we've got to love others. We know we love God, but we've got to love others. But how do we do that? How do we do that when there's so many different people from so many different walks of life all coming into this one place? I'm shy. I'm reserved. I'm not usually out on the front foot. I don't like to talk to people. People annoy me. I just want to come to church and worship and leave. Let me read you this story. Once upon a time, a mean old mountaineer fell sick and he died. There were no funeral directors back in the hills then, and embalming was not yet in practice. So the widow in the family dressed the body and placed it in the coffin. As the deceased were being carried from the house, one pallbearer actually stumbled, causing the coffin to crash into a gatepost. The knock somehow revived the old mountaineer, who sat up and immediately began yelling at everybody in sight. The man lived for over another year, And was as mean as ever. Then he got sick and died again. And once more the body was put in the coffin and the pallbearers lifted their burden. And as they suffered, as they shuffled by, the long-suffering widow lifted her head and said, For heaven's sake, would you please watch out for that gatepost? Now perhaps we're not at that stage where there's people in our world that we want to be left in the coffin and not to be knocked on the gatepost. But how many of you know, in in this walk that we walk and journey, sometimes we're not going to see eye to eye with other people. We're going to have differences of opinion. Do you know that's okay? We're going to have differences of um, opinions in regards to the Bible and, and prayer life and the way we operate as a church. We've all been created uniquely. And I think God desired it to be that way. It's meant to be a journey of excitement. It's meant to be a journey of growing and learning and developing understanding of one another in our differences. Sometimes that takes work because it's not, it doesn't easily come. And I read to you earlier in the message, John 13, 34 to 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And it says this, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What is one of the greatest testimonies you and I can be and do out there in a world with a lot of people that don't believe? Is to love one another. The Bible clearly tells us that all men will know that you're my disciples People are going to know that there's something different about you by the way you act toward another person, by the way you respond to them, by the way you show love toward them. It's by our actions out of that love that people will say, what is different about them? The gospel of Jesus Christ brings together people of diverse backgrounds and personalities, increasing the possibility for strained relationships. Just for the sake of time this morning, please write down 
the book of Philemon and read it, it's only like this much. But it's an amazing passage of scripture where we understand God's heart, Jesus' heart towards you and I developing relationships in the body of Christ. Paul, a scholarly, zealous Jew and former Pharisee. Then we read about Philemon, a wealthy Gentile businessman. And, and then on Esimus, a runaway slave. It's about these three. And the incredible ability for Paul to lay aside his differences and his opinions towards this slave and receive him as a brother. And any time that we bring together from people of varied backgrounds, we've got the potential for either great conflict or great glory. And I said to you earlier in the message that God is honoured by godly relationships. And his desire is that even in the midst of the differences that we have for each other, that we would honour him with great glory through these relationships. You know, I so believe that it brings great glory to God when people who would normally be at each other's throats would instead love one another because of the reality of Jesus Christ. Godly relationships glorify God and demonstrate the reality of the gospel in our life. Can I encourage you, if there's somebody in your world that you are challenged by, maybe it's a family member and you just don't see eye to eye, can you pray for them? And would you read scriptures over them that don't only pertain to you, that pertain to them as well? Because Jesus died for all of us. And I think it's time, the church, we need a bit of a shake-up and a rattle when it comes to loving others. Because we need to be the love of Jesus Christ more so than ever out of these walls. People are hurting. People are dying. People are taking their own lives. People are lonely. People are reserved. And let me, let me say this this morning. If there's people in your world that are reserved, they don't want to be that way. They've just become that way. Because we're all created for relationship. And there is a burning desire to belong within every single one of us. But they have been withdrawn. And that is exactly where the enemy wants them to say, love them. Love them. Cook them a meal. Take them out for coffee. Go to the movies. Have a play date. Do whatever it is that you need to do. Brad's thinking about his next play date. <laughs> when we as brothers and sisters in Christ cannot get along and split over minor, minor doctrinal differences or personality conflicts, it's not a great advertisement for the gospel. The good news. And so there's incredible responsibility on us, and I'm not saying here this morning be best buds with everybody that walks through the doors because we won't. The reality is, we won't be, and you're going to have those special people in your life, those special friendships. But as we develop our relationship with Christ and we read about His Word and we get revelation of Jesus Christ in our life, the love element should just flow and should be much easier to love others. The world looks at the church. Church, hear me this morning. The world is looking at the church. There is so many opinions about the church, and they're not positive. 
There are so many people's eyes looking at the church. There are people in your world that know you go to church and they're looking at you. You're the church in their world because they don't come to church. So you are the church in their world. What would they say? The world looks at the church and shrugs its shoulders and says, well, they're no different than what we are. But when we demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ, especially across cultural and social and racial barriers, the world will take notice. And when disasters happen and have happened in the past, where does everybody turn to? The church. The churches are full. People are repenting. There's tears. And then it dissipates. And everybody goes on with life again. And, and there's a shake-up. There's a shake-up. Jesus is wanting to shake his church. Wake up. Be the love. Be the love I demonstrated on the cross. Be that love to somebody else. Let them see it in you. Let them see it through you. Don't close your hands like this as a Christian and walk through life, coming to church and, and then and leaving and then coming to church and then leaving. Get your arms out and get to work because people need massaging. Justin Newton calls them massage system. I just want to share some really four very quick things as we close this morning around relationships. Um, can I get the team to come? That'd be great. Number one, look at others through the eyes of Christ. Jace, can I get that picture up? Some of you might have seen it before. Some of you might be just thinking, what on earth is that? A few black dots on a page. Can anybody see it? Put your hand up if you can. There's a few. You should be able to see the face of Jesus in there. I, I don't have a pointer, otherwise I can't point it out. But the white is actually his beard. That bit. There's the ear. Are we getting there? Jace, can you like point it out with the, the, the cursor? No? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Have we got, has anybody got it? Okay, it's probably far better off, on, Nick can see it. It's, it's far better off on the, on the screen. It's a bit more that way, it looks a bit more. He looks a bit distorted, sorry. But my point in this is, is there's Jesus in there, okay? <laughs> and sometimes you and I need to take a step back and look at somebody again and just take the time to see Jesus in that person. Because if he died for you and I, he died for that person too. That's the eyes that Jesus wants us to look at others through. Regardless of backgrounds and differences of opinion, perhaps we could stop again and just look at that other person. Jesus died for that person too. He shed his blood for that person too. It will change your perspective on that relationship, I guarantee it, or that person. Number two, so look at others through Jesus' eyes. Number two, overlook the negatives and focus on the positives. We live in this world where the negatives seem to be at the forefront. Negative news. When do we ever sit down and watch half an hour worth of good news? 
It's constantly negative. And then right at the very end, they'll throw in a little warm and fuzzy to make you go, oh, that was a good news segment. Negativity, it's everywhere you look. It's in our young people's ear constantly. It's in family situations. It's in business worlds. Negativity, you can't do that. You'll never amount to this. That's rubbish. That's junk, blah, blah, blah. Even just looking at social media is negative. The way we ought to look, the way we ought to dress, the way we ought to behave. There's so much negativity. And it's so quick sometimes for us in our human nature to err on the negative side rather than look at the positive. The old, the glass half full, half, half empty scenario. Let's be people that are half full and want to keep topping it up. Amen? Never the half empty population. If you begin to look at the positives on somebody's life rather than the negatives, again, I guarantee you that relationship will change. Number three, value one another. You know what value means? The regard that something is held to deserve. The importance, the worth, or the usefulness. Value is placing somebody above you and saying they're valued, they're worth it. Again, it comes back to because Christ died for them too. Look, overlook, value, number four, encourage. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, so encourage one another and build each other up just as you are already doing. So encourage one another and build each other up just as you are already doing. Encouragement goes so far. Encouragement goes so far. There are people in your world that need a voice of encouragement. You know what? You're doing a good job. You've been a great parent. You're an amazing mother. You're a great father. You're a good kid. You're a great business person. You're an incredible man. You're an incredible woman. Don't just say it. Mean it. How do we mean it? By going back to that very first point, the first love. That's where the passion and the zeal will come from. And it won't be words. You will mean it. It will flow out of a heart of revelation that Christ loved me, died for me, and I am here to share the good news with others. Look, overlook, value, encourage. What's the acronym? Love. What are we to do? Love God. Love one another. Let's be a church where people look at it and go, wow. I want to be a part of that place. I want to be in that place every Sunday. I want what they have got. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet with me this morning? I felt as I was preparing this message that there were relationships in this place that need to be restored. I felt the Spirit of God say to me, pray for people who want to restore a relationship. And it's been a real hard journey to do so. And I also felt that the Spirit of God say to me, challenge people with in regards to some of the relationships in their life. Because whilst we can have godly relationships in our world that build us up, there are relationships that can tear us down. And through my Christian journey, I've had to pray and discern relationships in my life that I've need to lay aside. They're not unnecessarily unhealthy, but they're not building me up and they're not godly. 
And so whilst I'll be a voice in their world and be a positive influence in regards to love and, and, and encouragement through Jesus Christ, their influence is no longer part of me or on my life. And I felt God say to challenge the body this morning, perhaps you need to cut off an unhealthy relationship that every time you seem to be in that scenario, it drags you down. That is not God's desire for your relationships. God wants to build you up and esteem you. And whilst I'm saying, please hear me this morning, we're not to um, remove ourselves from those in our life that don't know Jesus Christ. We're to stop the influence of relationships, dampening us, moving forward in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear me this morning. So just, if you would just bear with me this morning while we pray, because I really, I felt it's time to step forward and say, God, I'm going to bring forgiveness to that person. And, and this morning, that forgiveness element for you might be huge, but you are going to step out here and say, I forgive that person. And you know what? Even if it's not reciprocated, it doesn't matter. You and God are right again. And I believe that relationships through prayer this morning will be restored. So Father, in this place this morning, as we stand before your presence, Father, I thank you for your word and, and the reminder again of how we're to operate as a body. Lord, I would ask right now, while every eye is closed, God, that you would just begin to press on the hearts of those in this place, God, that know that they need to step forward and forgive that person, that need to restore that relationship, that need to be the bigger person and say, today it ends and I forgive and I release and I repent, Lord, and come back to that first love. Father, I also pray, Lord, this morning, God, for just anybody in this place right now, before I pray for those and just ask you to step forward, if you're in this place and you know that that first love is not in your heart, that perhaps you've never said yes to Jesus Christ and said, come into my life, or you're on a journey where you've left your first love and you've put Jesus aside and said, no, nah, I'm going to do this journey on my own. Feel God today is calling you back saying, I love you, I forgive you, let's do life together because you are blessed child of God. So just while every Christian is praying, every eye closed, if that is you, just slip your hand up and I want to pray with you right where you're at, a prayer of forgiveness and of salvation. Awesome, I see that hand. Anybody else this morning? Great, there's another one. That's two. Come on, every Christian praying. You're coming back to God or for the first time you're saying, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. I cannot live this life without you. I need you. I need your purpose. I need your blessing. I need your favor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. I love a time where we come together and we pray. Because the Bible says to us, where two or more agree together, that God is there in the midst. And I just believe that stepping forward in faith begins a journey of restoration that only Jesus can do. So I want to open this altar this morning for anybody that wants prayer. You just, the word has blessed you, touched you, and you've thought, yep. I need to step forward. I need to forgive that person. I want to restore relationships. Or perhaps you need prayer for something else. I don't care what it is. As we worship, I'd like you to step forward. And I'm going to ask also too, that awesome young couple that lifted their hands, if you want to come forward too, I want to pray for you as well and pray that prayer of forgiveness for your hearts as well. So let's worship Isaac. And let's just get into a time. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.